I'm Dale Postle the DB Ranch in Lampasas, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Our show today coming to you once again from Washington, D.C., where we're reporting on what those here in D.C. are doing that affects you back home in Texas agriculture. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State and the nation's capital as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've run into several Texans here in Washington, D.C. One of those was a Texas panhandle farmer, Cody Carson. He's here lobbying Congress on behalf of the National Sorghum Producers. We also caught up with the CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. He's a Texan, too. Chandler Gould hails from both Dumas and Stephenville, Texas. We'll check in with both of those Texans coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When things are as dry as they are in the Texas High Plains right now, you'll hear people say, we'll take moisture any way we can get it. Well, that philosophy is certainly put to the test when your serving of rain comes with a side dish of hail. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A new children's agricultural museum is being planned for the FiberMax Center for Discovery in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on this new agricultural educational experience on today's Texas Ag Today. Trade topics are getting some attention in Washington, D.C. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Our show today coming to you from Washington, D.C., where we're reporting on what's happening in the nation's capital and how it affects you back home in Texas agriculture. And one of the first people I ran into here in D.C. was West Texas farmer Cody Carson. He farms about halfway between Amarillo and Lubbock. I asked Cody if he was lucky enough to get any rain from those storms that moved through the Panhandle and Southern Plains over the weekend. Unfortunately, the answer was no. It is absolutely the driest I've ever seen it in 40 years. The last measurable moisture I had was, uh, I think, September the 8th. We had a couple of tents, no snow cover. If you dig a hole 10, 12 foot down, it's just powder dry all the way. Resembles the 2010 weather pattern, except we went into it with subsoil moisture and a little spring moisture. Uh, there was some stuff that blew up last night in my part of the world, but I think more hail and wind than rain. It's going to take several inches to get us back in a position to even think about making a crop. So if it's the driest spring you've had in 40 years, what do you do when it's time to roll the planter this spring? Uh, I was hoping you could enlighten me. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually had a, a friend of mine call me a while ago. Uh, we were walking across uh, in front of the Capitol, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, 
we've both been at this for 40 years, and I've never been this late in the season and not known what to do. We had a congressional group down at Lubbock last week, and we were talking supply chains, talking input costs. And I said, I know all that's very relevant in the long term, but in the short term, I don't see how we're going to make a crop this year. Meanwhile, Carson says planters are rolling in his area as farmers dust in a crop and pray for rain. Another Texan I ran into here in Washington is Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Chandler grew up in both Dumas and Stephenville, Texas, and is a graduate of Texas A&M. Gould says the Russian invasion of Ukraine has put the world's wheat supply in the spotlight. The war that Russia has caused uh, with Ukraine has significantly uh, affected our markets here in the United States. And just looking back reflectively, not projecting, you know, we've had several weeks we limited up and then limited down and then limited down and limited back up and hit historically high prices. And that volatility to people outside of the agriculture industry may think that that's going to incentivize more wheat acres, but it's actually doing the exact opposite because it says that the market is not stable. It says that it is responding to a geopolitical issue, not to supply and demand. And we actually saw a decrease of 2 to 5% in spring wheat acres. And I think one of the main drivers was that volatility in the wheat market caused by the war that Russia uh, and Ukraine are having. And Gould says 68% of winter wheat in the U.S. is in D2 to D4 drought, according to the latest drought monitor. Most Texans will take moisture any way they can get it right now. But James Hunt says the recent hail in the panhandle was a tough way to get the ground wet. Along with powerful winds, the big headline maker from the storms that moved through the Texas High Plains Sunday night was a lot of hail, up to baseball size in some cases. Particularly notable was the damage done to homes and businesses in Hereford. As for crop damage out in the farm country surrounding Hereford, Deaf Smith County Extension agent Rick Ackerman says it was another hit for wheat already suffering from the long-running drought. Dryland wheat is non-existent, basically, as you well know. Irrigated, uh, we were getting close to start chopping silage uh, before this weather event we had. Uh, probably in the next 10 days now, I've looked at some that's damaged. Uh, going to have a challenge to try to get a pick back up and trying to salvage some of that. As for other crops, Ackerman says cotton hasn't been planted yet in his area and corn is just now emerging. Some of it's starting to peek through the ground. I don't think the hail damaged any of that because it's so small. And generally speaking, that's probably going to be true for the region as a whole. Another setback for wheat in some areas, but spring crops not far enough along to have been vulnerable to widespread injury. Now, there was some rain with the storms. In some cases, not that much, as Ackerman says estimates in his area indicate maybe a quarter inch, but farther north, totals were more impressive, especially in Hutchinson County, where Extension Agent Derek Williamson says Sunday night's precipitation followed other recent showers. We have been dry, but here in the past few weeks, we have been fortunate to have some storms that were moving around the Amarillo area and ended up kind of going towards us. But I'd say a lot of guys I talked to in this last storm, I'd say they got anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half, just depending on the location. Still, all will agree our entire region needs much more rain. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Fibermax Center for Discovery in Lubbock is growing. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Fundraising for AgWorks is well underway in Lubbock. Lacey Holting is executive director of the Fibermax Center for Discovery, the future home for the new ag literacy experience. 
So, Lacey, uh, a lot of this is hands-on activity uh, for people when they uh, would go into this uh, part of the museum? Yes, absolutely. We have a great firm working with us out of Chicago who specialized in children's museums, educational, hands-on activities, and they've really knocked this one out of the park, making everything fun but educational. While it is aimed for fourth grade and under, there's great factoids and things parents and children, grandparents can all do together as they learn more about our farmers and ranchers. Being located here in Lubbock, a great uh, agriculture cultural center to begin with, with all the cotton being raised and the various grains and, of course, cattle. So certainly a good uh, place in not only Texas, but across the country for people to visit. Yes, we have a great facility with lots of exhibits from cotton harvesting, antique equipment. We have a cotton stripper simulator. Lots of great exhibits already, but this is really going to take it to the next level. It'll be great to see people come in and the more and the younger kids we can educate about agriculture, the more engaged citizens we'll have when they're adults in communities like Lubbock that agriculture is still the backbone of. And we really just want to give them that education at an early age. Now, your goal of $6.2 million, when and if that is attained, what is your plan as far as moving forward? So when we get the money raised, it's about a 12-month project. So 12-month build and about three-month install on the exhibits. So uh, projected opening uh, 2023, 2024? I would love 2023. I'm going to hope for end of 2024. That is Lacey Holting, Executive Director of the FiberMax Center for Discovery in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Trade topics are getting some attention once again here in Washington, D.C. Michael Clements reports from the nation's capital. Trade is always a hot topic in agriculture, and the American Farm Bureau Federation says there are three issues to watch right now. Dave Salmonson, AFBF Senior Director of Government Affairs, says President Biden recently signed legislation changing the trade relationship between the U.S. and Russia. The first legislation basically stops us from importing energy from Russia. Second bit of legislation revokes what's called permanent normal trade relations with Russia. What that means is that we have granted Russia, like we grant 160-plus other countries, countries around the world the exact same tariff treatment. So now the U.S. is free to impose different tariffs going forward on Russia, falling back to our tariff schedule we had with them before they had this status. Meanwhile, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai is holding trade dialogues with the United Kingdom. These aren't formal trade negotiations, but the U.S. and the U.K. have settled some trade disputes based on the imposition of steel tariffs a few years ago. That's been resolved. Farm Bureau supports having a full-fledged trade agreement with the United Kingdom, hopefully getting rid of some of their standards barriers they have to various exports, especially meat products. So we're hopeful that these initial talks will lead to formal trade negotiations sometime soon. And Salmonson adds the U.S. Section 301 tariffs on Chinese imports could be addressed soon. We've heard from Treasury Secretary Yellen, officials in the National Security Council and the White House saying maybe it's time to revisit those tariffs to help trade. We in agriculture have been against those tariffs because of the retaliation. And even though they waived a lot of that because of the China-U.S. Phase 1 agreement, the purchase commitment of that agreement is over and the potential to reimpose tariffs lingers out there. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Texas teens now have more time to apply for an engaging, hands-on wildlife conservation camp. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the pre-weaning stage of calf development is the highest cost phase of a calf's life. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The pre-weaning stage of calf development is the highest cost phase of a calf's life. Dr. Bob Judd says that's because of the cost of milk or milk replacement. Dr. Brad Hines at the University of Georgia indicates calf raisers have tried to adapt calves to solid calf starter as soon as possible to save money. However, if done incorrectly, increased levels of sickness and death can occur. At birth, the largest compartment of the calf's stomach is the abomasum, and it is required to digest a milk-based diet. In fact, at birth, the abomasum is the only functional part of the calf's stomach. So even though the bovine stomach has four parts, only one is usable. The other three parts consist of the rumen, reticulum, and omasum, and these structures gradually develop and become functional as the calf grows. With appropriate nutrition and utilization of high-quality texturized calf starter, the papilla in the rumen are stimulated to grow, which allows for digestion of lower-quality starter rations and forage. Dr. Hines indicates that if milk feeding is not increased as the calf grows, calf starter intake increases to accommodate growth. However, if calves continue to ingest mostly milk, it will delay weaning and create problems when you try to wean the calf. So it is important to use a step-down approach to weaning by starting 10 to 14 days prior to weaning and decrease milk slowly by 25% during the first few days of the process and then gradually decrease milk and increase starter. Calves should be consuming two to three pounds of high-quality starter three to five days prior to weaning. Although some of the calves may weigh a little less at weaning, they catch up quickly due to developing less gastric disturbance. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas teens now have more time to apply for a wildlife conservation summer camp. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas high school students now have more time to get in their applications to attend this year's Wildlife Conservation Camp hosted by the Texas chapter of the Wildlife Society. The original deadline to attend the camp was May 1st. However, camp organizers decided to give students more time to gather the necessary information to apply. Bobby Alcorn, camp director and biologist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the camp offers a unique week-long experience teaching high school students students about nature, ecology, and wildlife via hands-on experiences. Our main goal at the camp is to teach campers all about wildlife conservation in our state. That looks like things like trapping and survey methods. Also looks like shooting and, and hunting and how that factors into wildlife conservation. Also research methods. If you're interested in, in wildlife, but especially if you're interested in conserving and managing wildlife, this camp gives you all the information you'll need to know to, to get a career started. 
Experts in wildlife, conservation, and natural resources will teach campgoers about wildlife and plant identification, wildlife habitat management techniques, conservation ethics and land stewardship, wildlife trapping and surveying, fishing, shooting sports, and more. The camp is open to high school students, including those preparing to graduate this year. The Wildlife Conservation Camp will be held July 9th through the 13th at Big Woods on the Trinity in Tennessee Colony. The new deadline to apply is May 31st, but don't wait until the last minute. Applicants will need a letter of recommendation. Details are available at wildlifecamptx.org. That is wildlifecamptx.org. Again, the new deadline to apply is May 31st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time for a look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, livestock producers in the Kerr County area have the Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up Tuesday, May 24th at the Hill Country Youth Event Center in Kerrville. County Extension Agent Justin Klinzik is with us. And Justin, what will be happening at the Kerr County Ranch Field Day? I'm going to start the day out with proper weaning techniques for cattle, sheep, and goats and how that kind of benefits marketability. going to discuss impacts of proper grazing and overgrazing. Morgan Livestock Equipment is going to bring in a mobile working pen, and we're going to get to do some live cattle handling and demonstrations with that. Dr. Joe Passel is going to talk about the benefits of pregnancy testing and demonstrate the IDEX alert pregnancy blood test. Then we're going to round out the day with Dr. Sonia Swiger from AgriLife Extension, and she's going to talk about parasite control and livestock. The Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up May 24th. If you need more information, call the Extension Office at 830-257-6568. If you would like to have your agricultural event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email, cmartin, C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After trading higher both Monday and Tuesday, we saw declines in both the live and fed cattle markets on Wednesday. June live cattle were down 50 cents to 134.82. August live cattle down 25 cents to 137.07. Corn was trading mostly higher on Wednesday, and that did have an impact on our fed cattle market. May feeder cattle down 15 cents to 162.25. August feeder cattle down 7 cents to 176.20. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's go down to Beeville and talk to Rodney Butler about the sale he had on Friday. Rodney, how many noses did you count? The market was pretty steady. Steer calves were sure enough active. The heifer calves might have been a little softer in spots, sir. Well, let's walk the pens. We had 510 head of cattle, no horses, and no goats. Your 200, 300 pound steers, $1.84 to 212. Heifers, $1.48 to $1.70. Your 300, 400 pound steers, $1.65 to 210. Heifers, $1.29 to $1.56. Your 400, 500 pound steers, $1.53 to $1.80. Heifers, $1.37 to $1.65. Your 500, 600 pound steers, $1.39 to $1.68. Heifers, $1.26 to $1.49. Your 600 to 700 pound steers, $1.36 to $1.53. Heifers, $1.21 to $1.40. And your 700 to 800 pound 
pound steers were dollar thirty-eight to dollar forty-eight, and heifers were dollar thirteen to dollar twenty. Packer cows sure was steady to active. They brought anywhere from twenty to eighty-four cents. Packer bulls brought from fifty-one to dollar three. We didn't have any stocker cows, and our bred cows dollared out around that six thirty to a thousand. What do you know for this next week? Uh, I'm going to have a herd sell out next week of uh, 90-something cows. There'll be all ages of cows. There'll be some good uh, cows in there that will pair up, and there'll be some packer cows. But I'm going to have 90 of them, and then i got several pins of uh, calves yearlings coming this week. So we ought to have a pretty good sale again, sir. That'll be this Friday at Beeville Livestock. Rodney Butler, tell everybody how to contact you. Yeah, Young reach me there at the cell barn at 361-358-1727, or Young call me on my mobile, 645-5002. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. May lean hogs up $2.82 to $102.60. Gin lean hogs up $2.90 to $105.10. May class 3 milk was up $0.54 cents to $24.75. June class 3 milk up $0.42 cents to $24.35, a hundredweight. We saw triple-digit gains in the cotton markets on Wednesday as drought rages on in West Texas. Textile mills are also buying old crop cotton to cover their obligations, and that did give some support to the cotton markets. July cotton up 468 points to 154.76. October cotton up 281 points to 136.21. May corn down two and a quarter to 7.98 and a half. July corn up one and a quarter to 7.94 and a quarter. May hard red wheat up 30 and three quarters to 11.12 and a half. July hard red wheat up 30 and a half to 11.23 and a quarter. Natural gas prices hit a 13-year high this week, according to Bloomberg. They say those prices have increased due to growing concern that stockpiles will fall short this summer. Global demand has remained strong. June natural gas up 48 cents Wednesday to 8.43. July natural gas up 47 cents to 8.49. We saw increases in the crude oil markets Wednesday. According to Reuters, the European Union proposed even tougher sanctions on Russia, which includes a phased oil embargo within the next six months. June crude oil up $5.52 to 107.93. July crude oil up $5.41 to 106.31. The Dow up 558 points to 33,686. The S&P 500 up 68 points to 4,244. The NASDAQ up 204 points to 12,767. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.